to me, it's like racism. So people uh, will think about racism and they may think to themselves, oh, I'm not a racist. I've never said the N word without understanding how they are a part of a racist society or a part of white supremacy. To me, toxic masculinity is something that is like that. Yeah. We may think about it as a part of the individual when in actuality, you know, there, there's a system that that is toxic. Yeah. We are a part of it. We teach our, our kids a part of that. I think a lot of people... Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber with Sit Up Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Uh, remember, you can find us on Facebook, and we'd love for you to download or subscribe to our podcast and share it. Uh, we'd love to get the word out some more about what we're doing. You can also hit me on Twitter or at Leroy Barber. You can hit me on Facebook, same, at Leroy Barber. Um, today, uh, we are looking at a few different topics. I think uh, this is this is going to be a this is going to be a fun fun. This is going to be a fun podcast here. Um, serious topic, but I think also um, a good one to dive into. So we're still doing this series uh, t- this week in Tampa uh, at the Underground Network, talking about innovation or looking at folks who are doing church in an innovative way. So some questions I have. What are you, are you bivocational? If you're out there and you're bivocational, love to, one, I'd love to connect with more of you, but that is a, that is an interesting space to be in, right? Um, what does it mean to be bivocational? Like what, what are your priorities, right? Um, uh, this idea, like, like, do you work at your call or is your call a part of your life? Right. Like that, that this bivocational space lifts out a, a little bit of that or a lot of that, really. What do you think about house churches Are house churches, real churches? Right. Uh, that, that's a question we like, like you to think about today. Um, how do meals work at your church and how do they connect people? Does, does food play a little bit into your church life or your life uh, or your faith community life? Are you an introvert? We're in this space of innovation. And a lot of it is about getting out there, kind of, inter, you know, the, the word innovation sometimes has that underlying theme. But what about what if you're an introvert? What's your role? How do you connect in to innovation? So all of that, right, mixed with this idea of a question around toxic masculinity. We said this is an innovative space, right? So bringing those things together around the subject of toxic masculinity. What is it? Have you ever heard that before? Is that a scary spot? When you hear somebody's going to talk about toxic masculinity, do you run the other way? What what is masculinity, right? So is there such thing as non-toxic masculinity? And what is that? What do you think about the term boys will be boys? How's that hit you, right? 
like will boys just be boys and we turn the other turn the other cheek turn the other way don't really look into a situation oh those were just boys do you let things go that boys do do you just kind of you know hey that's a boy boys are gonna do that so what What is a community's role in issues like this? Is there a communal responsibility to think about, uh, plan, react to issues like toxic masculinity? Is there a community role? And then, um, is the church an example of toxic masculinity? Does it is the does the church facilitate toxic masculinity? The hard question, isn't it? So today we're gonna talk to Ryan Polonio. He's an innovator. He's bivocational. He's an elder at the underground network, the community, uh, the, the church, the micro church he's a part of is called Kindred. And he's going to bring a number of these things together. Can't wait to talk to this brother. And remember, Andrew Morgan, our producer, is going to carry out some of these interviews. And so th what you're going to hear is Andrew interviewing Ryan and teasing out some of these ideas. This is the sit up podcast. I am Leroy Barber. Don't forget to hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be right back. Speak truth or add to the noise is up to us to take the dust we've been given to treat our seconds like cents and watch how we spend them to use our words like olive branches in the mouths of birds and watch where we send them. Take the negative thoughts we were taught, take our wounded souls and hearts and let God mend them. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. And welcome back into the Sit Up Podcast. I'm your producer Andrew Morgan, in for the host Leroy Barber, and we're here live in Tampa, Florida, for the Voices Conference, and we're just finding different individuals who really just embody the I in Sit Up Podcast. So you got to remember, Sit Up Podcast stands for sports, innovation, theology the ugly, which is injustice, as well as public discourse. So the I, innovation. So we're talking to some of the most innovative people that we can find here at the Voices Conference. And I got another one. I really, in this time, we're kind of breaking the mold. I'm getting a chance to talk to a gentleman. And so I've had a lot of ladies come in. So I'm very interested in hearing your perspective. Introduce yourself to the Sit Up Podcast, please. All right. My name is Ryan Polonio. Uh, I'm a part of the underground. I actually serve as a governing elder, but I'm not on staff with the underground. I work for a different company outside of here. It's a secular company, and I do ministry on the side. I, I like to call myself a bivocational minister. Yeah. So I work, and then on my off time, I do ministry-related things, including uh, running a house church called Kindred uh, out of my house every Sunday. How important is that for for people to understand that, like, you get a chance, like, that you're working in in the secular world, and that's okay? Like, how how important is that for you? I think that there's a lot of ways in which people feel that if they are working, then they don't actually have a ministry outlet or output 
or even if they do feel like they are called to something in particular, it, it may be limited to just, oh, I can lead a Bible study in my lunchroom and they don't see themselves as as ministers full time because they're not working a full time job or they don't have the title of pastor. You know, there's so much of what Jesus is doing in my life that exists in my entire life, including where I work at. Um, and so, I, you know, I call myself a bivocational minister because yeah. I'm a minister at all times. I just happen to, you know, punch a clock and, you know, send emails and, and be a part of conference calls. Um, but, it, you know, it doesn't stop. I love the fact that like you, you just kind of put it out there like Jesus is a part of your life all the time, even at work, like everything. So explain your ministry that you do, the micro church that you have. Right. So a micro church is, uh, you know, in general, a small expression of church. And so that particular small expression for me and my family is kindred. You know, we call it kindred because for us, kindred means family. And my wife and I have this uh, this sense that our our home is open to people. And so we open our home every Sunday. Uh, we cook the, the best food that we could possibly cook. We're legendary in Tampa for uh, for our meals, and then we uh, we get into some Bible study where we give people the opportunity, whether they are uh, just coming to follow Jesus, they don't know anything about Jesus, or even if they've been following Him for a while and now are starting to think about what their calling is, to be able to encounter uh, Jesus through Scripture, and then to to pray for one another, to encourage one another in the ministry that they are doing, or to really push people and prepare people for what they will be doing. Uh, we want to, people to feel called by God. And so if they feel that, you know, hey, listen, I'm a, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, we're not doing our job right. Is after a year or two, people are still there you know, and still attending. We want people to go out and start their own thing. And so we always tell people, man, like, you know, what is God calling you to do? Every time we encounter the word, even we say, what is what is this telling you right now that you should do? And then we challenge people to do that thing. How much joy does it bring you to be involved in your community in this way? Oh, it brings me a lot of joy. It brings me a lot of joy. Like I have particular giftings towards teaching and being pastoral. So that gives me the opportunity to do that, you know, in a place that I, I love. I love hosting people. I actually like cooking. I do most of the cooking at my own house. And so it's a form of expression for me. Um, but also uh, as an introvert, it gives me a way in which I can interact with people Um you know, that is not weird for me because, yeah. you know, I could be a little weird, sometimes a little obtuse. And it isn't that I like to be that way. It's simply I'm an introvert. Some people are extroverts, so they want to get out there. We want to bring all those people into the same space and create common ground for us to be able to interact, laugh, joke. You know, even when we're not studying the Bible, play dominoes, play spades and, you know, take take the time out to to really get in with uh, with Jesus. I mean, you know, our family uh, extends beyond just, you know, my wife and I and my children. We want everybody to, whoever comes in our doors, to feel like they're a part of our family. That's in the way we, we eat. That's in the way we study the Bible. That's in the way we interact with each other. You know, I, you know, I honestly think that there are ways in which who we are can be utilized towards uh, building the kingdom. So, you know, as a as a black man, that gives me an opportunity to speak, you know, uniquely to people of color, but also uniquely to to men. So not just black men, but white men. As a married man, that gives me perspective for single people and for married people. As a father, you know, I get to interact with people in that way. And so I want to use every aspect of not just my life, but the resources I have: my house, my kitchen, my kitchen table, 
you know, the, the living room to to be something that can be utilized, not towards just bringing people in, but, you know, it, it is a reflection of who we are. And expressing myself brings joy. You know, I love the the idea of being able to see men step up and be a portion of their community that you're feeding them. Like that's a part of the way you're communicating love to individuals. And they, that's a beautiful uh, thing. What are some of the more direct ways that you feel uh, you've had to, to express your love to the young men in your community? I think that people, you know, the, you know, the Bible says that the, the older men uh, should teach the younger men in the way they should go. And, and, and to some degree, I'm not an older man, right? I'm just about 40, but you know, there are people that are coming after me that are looking to people for, for mentorship. I'm also thinking about things that affect our community at large, not just as Christians, but uh, in society. So that's really influencing thought. I'm a thinker. And so I'm always thinking about uh, different topics, the way that they affect us as a community, but then also trying to to bridge the gaps between what I think God says about a thing and then what we should do about that topic. So, you know, one of the topics that's really hot on my mind right now, and part of it is because I'm preparing to do this sort of TED talk uh, with the community for the underground is the, the idea of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Now, this is a, an important issue to kind of broach a little bit because uh, on other podcasts, we've talked about the Mute R. Kelly movement in the media, as well as just seeing this pattern uh, just here recently, like we saw where Chris Brown was accused of rape. Uh, there's been different things that we've seen throughout the Me Too movement where Bill Cosby, you know, goes down and all these different negative images of men committing sexual crimes and sexual acts. How important is it to really recreate the image of men and and really in the public eye and from a godly standpoint and even from a secular standpoint? Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point. You know, it, it feels like a hot button issue as if something is something that we're just thinking about. But if we're being honest, even thinking about our own experiences as men, you know, we've had to come to grips with uh, our place in society and the ways in which, uh, you know, masculinity has been toxic. I think that, you know, you can separate the two words. So there is a masculinity that is not toxic. You know, right. I, I believe that as we get to know the truth about God, the creator, the one that created us as men, created us as women, you know, we, we should begin to understand what is not toxic masculinity so that we could actually feel comfortable talking about and then calling out uh, ways in which toxic masculinity is all around us. You know, it, to me, it's like racism. So people uh, will think about racism and they may think to themselves, oh, I'm not a racist. I've never said the N word without understanding how they are a part of a racist society or a part of white supremacy. To me, toxic masculinity is something that is like that. Yeah. We may think about it as a part of the individual when in actuality, you know, th there's a system that that is toxic. Yeah. We are a part of it. We teach our our kids a part of that. I think a lot of people are thinking about this Gillette commercial yeah. where, you know, their old tagline is the, the the best a man can get. And, you know, one of the maybe the, the more uh, poignant things in that commercial is this idea of like boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Is rape culture boys will be boys, you know, is, um, you know, the way we treat ourselves, the way we treat women, the way we treat children, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about ourselves in relation to God. Is that uh, boys will be boys or is there something bigger than that? And so, yeah. you know, those are things I would I want to think about myself, but I think uh, it isn't good enough to just think about it for myself. It's better to challenge 
the society at large, and in particular as Christians, to think about, you know, if we extrapolate backwards, we are simply a reflection of the creation of, of God. We are made in his image and likeness. So what does it mean to be a man the way God wants us to be a man, a woman the way that, that God wants women to be women? And how do we play into this sort of toxicity that seeks to subvert what that actually is? Um, maybe I don't have all the answers, but I definitely yeah. think it's worth uh, discussing as, a, as people. What are some of the ways that you found yourself having to denounce rape culture and, and some of the toxic sides of what people have assigned as masculinity or being a part of masculinity? How have you had to, what are some of the things you've had to denounce and, and get rid of in your life? Man, when I was a teenager, you know, I was uh, always seen as like a, a different type of dude. So when, you know, for me, I've always been around, like, let's say rape culture. You know, I think if if a lot of men are being honest, if you've uh, been in situations where you've been at parties or you've been hanging out with people, you may know somebody that may either have or is definitely uh, guilty of rape. And they may say it cavalierly, like, this is just what happens. Like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, you just, um, you know, if a girl says no, she really means yes, or that kind of like way of thinking. And I remember specifically as being a teenager, being in situations where I have the opportunity to 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 either be complicit with that or to to go against that. And you know, I remember the the best that I would do would be like, "Hey, girl, like you might not want to go with this guy. This guy doesn't have safe intentions for you, but that's none of my business." You know, as yeah. a as an older man, I actually believe that is my business. Yeah, you know, I believe that that it's when people don't act, they don't say anything, they don't do anything, that they actually enable certain parts of the culture, and that's just one subset of what I consider to be toxic masculinity. My desire to act now should reflect my my value for for real masculinity, and I think that uh, if I could talk to my teenage self again, I'd be like, man, you really should have done something. Now, maybe that would have either put me in danger or made me uh, uncool with my friends or whatever, but you know, it, it, it shouldn't be the exception. It really yeah. should be the rule and until yeah. enough of us are willing to talk about it or to even do something about it, then it'll continue to be the exception and not the rule. So how important is it uh, for us as men to understand what is our business? Like some of those things, this is our business. We kind of briefly mentioned it earlier, but like you've got something like R. Kelly is accused of raping large numbers of young ladies and targeting young ladies and committing sex crimes against them. This is a community issue. And as men, we should be at the forefront of this. How do we handle these type of situations? You know, that's a great question. And I think to some degree, it it the way we respond to that question is a direct result of how we even consider ourselves in the the, the scope of toxic masculinity. So for instance, um, for some people, it may go as far as just saying, um, you know, well, I didn't understand what toxic masculinity was like until I got married or had daughters and nobody would ever do that to my daughter as if it wasn't true before they had a woman to take care of. Um, for some people, the issue is, well, you know, that's somebody else's kid and that would never happen to me. But if it was me, I would do something different. So, you know, we lack empathy or sympathy for what's going on uh, outside of either our direct community. So maybe it's someone else's church, it's someone else's family, it's someone else's community. And so we don't we don't respond because, again, that whole it's not our business thing. 
instead we should expand beyond that, you know, uh, even just thinking about uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and his birthday just passing and the idea of like him uh, implying that, you know, the, even the presence of some kind of injustice, uh, you know, is a threat to justice everywhere. Yeah. Uh, that implied to to women or to rape culture or to just toxic masculinity means that if we are okay with it in some small form, then, you know, it, it'll almost be like a shock when it, it knocks on our door. Yeah. And it's only until it's right in front of us that uh, we, we want to do something about it. Then newsflash is right in front of you right now. You know, it's around me. It's around my kids. So I have two boys, you know, one is in middle school, one's in elementary school. And so I'm also hyper aware of, of even how I prepare them for the world that they're going into, how they should respond to other other men, young men, how they should think about themselves in a part of the culture, how they begin to shape their identity as far as the way that they interact with women. Um, yeah. And then how they see me treat their mother as all positive influences on the way they see masculinity and then how they can hopefully begin to also have the language and the way of thinking of parsing out what is the difference between a good masculinity uh, and a toxic masculinity. What do you think the role of, of the church is in this, in spreading this message? What, what responsibility do we have as a church body? Man, I think that's a complicated question. I think that, you know, there are a lot of people who exist outside of church space that may think, and, and, and maybe in some ways rightfully so, that that church is a place that that actually reinforces a, a toxic sense of masculinity. Right. You know, whether it be the way we see women in leadership or all those things that can be considered uh, doctrinal. Uh, you know, for them, it is something that is not just doctrine. It's actually something that reinforces this idea of like suppressing women at the for the for the purpose of men. Um, and I think that we, in the same way that I'm talking about myself and saying. I have to look inside and see the ways in which I've been toxic and try to counteract that. I think that extends to the church, you know, at large, which is like, man, we got to see the ways in which, what are we doing? You know, where do we stand with this really? And are there ways in which we should at least just have the conversation and challenge ourselves. And if we end up in the same places, that's fine. But, but we cannot, just like if we have stances against white supremacy, we can't also uh, somehow just enforce and allow for the casual existence of toxic masculinity in our walls, in our worship, in our community, in the way that we treat uh, each other, in leadership, in the giftings that God gives both men and women, and everything in between that. That's great. That's great. So tell me a little bit, um, a little bit more about where, you know, as you're raising two young young men, what are some of the things that you're showing them through their media consumption? Uh, as far as how to to regulate what they're putting in their system, yeah, I try to to you know challenge them whenever I, I notice it. So yeah. you know, it's not always as uh, as clear cut as I like it to be. I, I once read, uh, or I didn't read it actually. It was my wife that showed me this uh, sort of article that talked about Disney movies, right? So let's say movies with princesses. So you got like Frozen, and you know, when I was growing up, there was Snow White and all that stuff, and uh, when when uh, young boys watch those movies, it actually helps them to identify with a less toxic masculinity. And then maybe in reverse, when young women watch those movies, it reinforces in the opposite direction, the sense of toxic femininity, which, you know, I would argue is just a subset of toxic masculinity. 
So when I see my boys, uh, you know, they with the way they treat each other, you know, I try to encourage them to to really analyze what is what why are they responding a certain way and to think critically as to how they should do that. So for instance, you know, if they're fighting with each other, I think it's okay for boys to fight, but you know, what to what degree is it simply boys will be boys yeah. and 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 that's toxic and to what other degrees is it simply like, man, I got to help you you guys work out what it is that you're feeling and find different ways for you to 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 resolve your conflict because that's going to be something that's going to carry on to them in the way they deal with their spouses in the future, for instance, or their own children. You know, I, I used to have a, a strong stance, uh, stance uh, for, uh, like, let's say, corporal punishment for your kids, beating your kids. You know, I, I asked my, I sat my boys down the last time, just yesterday, and I said, when was the last time daddy spanked you? And one of my sons was like, I can't remember. And my other son was like, uh, it was three years ago. It was on a Monday. <laughs> I remember it was this. You know, I'm like, it, all right, fine, fair. Three years ago, you know, the reason why I don't do that is because one, I don't want you to fear me as a man because that's not the place of a man to simply apply violence to you. But then also, you know, you you guys are are, are young men. You could understand, you know, when I have a conversation with you, what I'm actually trying to uh, explain to you, what the conflict is, and how you need to be able to resolve that. Because I want them to do better than simply just solving problems with their fists. Great, man, that is, I am actually out of time, but I wish we had more time to get into this. I'm going to encourage you to definitely uh, come back and join us on the Sit Up Podcast in the future. And I know that you and Leroy can have a field day with just uh, exploring some of these different uh, subject matters. And you've got your wealth of knowledge. I appreciate everything you're doing in your community here. Very innovative. Uh, just bringing the, this conversation uh, to the table takes courage. It takes uh, it takes a certain level of just dependency on God that it, it has to be evident that you're walking with God in order to to talk about some of these serious issues and actually affect change. So thank you for raising your kids the way you are and being open and having your community open and everything that you're doing to be uh, innovative uh, here in this area. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining uh, us on the Sit Up Podcast, and we will see you next week. Live life like you know the clock's ticking. On your mark, get set, ready. Let's begin. 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 Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin, let's begin, let's begin, let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin.